On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, couple of jab steps, comes up shooting top three, bam! Put him in the Hall of Fame! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. One more, one more y'all want me to prove, man. Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep going with you do best. I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Welcome back, Matt. Uh... Not exactly the way I thought that was going to go last night against the second worst team in the NBA on a back-to-back, but hey man, I will I will take an overtime winner. Uh, how you doing first and foremost? I'm good, man. What's up? What's up, Bulls Nation? Um, just, just a good week so far. You know, knock on wood, hopefully the Bulls can close it out uh, with some, some more winning. Obviously, it'll be a tall task to beat this Suns team that's playing pretty darn well. Uh, you know, a, a, a big test, the Bulls' first big test since their close loss to the Sixers last weekend. But, you know, you get wins in games that you should win against Houston and against Minnesota. You got Zach Levine's announcement as an all-star sandwich in between those. It's like, hey, oh, by the way, did, did I mention that the Bulls are currently the sixth seed? It's a crazy week, man. I I don't know what reality we are living in, but you're right. And the Bulls, on top of that, have won five of six. Like, like very sneaky, out of nowhere, they've won five of six, put themselves in actually a legitimate spot for right now. It's cool to see Zach Levine approach it a month ago when he was talking about the playoffs, but these are wins that you need to stack. And, like, last year, this is a game they easily lose, man, which is so cool. And maybe even to say, like, the first two weeks of the season, I think this is a game that they lose. Like, the mentality has started to change, and and I'm loving to see that. But um, let's get into this game a little bit. What did you like from the Bulls first? And then we'll talk about the end of the game. I mean, what did I like? At least it was a balanced scoring night for the Bulls. You know, they put seven players in double figures, four starters, three off the bench. We've been seeing the Bulls do that a lot this season. Much more balanced scoring than anything we saw last year. Um, and, and I like the fact that there was um, just so many different ways that players were finding, finding each other open uh, and finding each other good looks. All nine of the Bulls who played in the first half had an assist. Uh, I believe, or nine of the 10 that played in the first half. Um, you know, it's just it's just another good example of quality team basketball and ball movement. Bulls finished with 28 assists on the night. Um, the, you know, the other thing that I did that I did have an issue with 
is is the turnovers. I mean, we could talk about that uh, in a minute if you would rather continue to talk about the glowing, wonderful things about this win. But in all honesty, like, yeah, Zach got his 35 per usual, 14 of 21, 5 of 8 from downtown. But he had seven assists. Kobe White, solid night, 28 and 6. But he had seven, he, he and, and he had seven turnovers. I think I said assists when I meant to say turnovers for Zach. So, you know, a, a balance of good and bad. Yeah, they got a win. They probably shouldn't have needed overtime to do it, though. So I'm kind of like, I, I liked what Donovan said after the game. That's honestly probably my favorite part about this game. He said, I'm glad we got the win. I'm proud of my guys for for not hanging their heads after getting to that OT in that weird fashion. But we can be better than this. We should be better than this. Carl Anthony Towns not getting into foul trouble. They don't win this game by a mile, man, especially at the end of that game. You're right. There's a lot more to nitpick negatively about this game. I agree to, but I just I came away sweating at the end from overtime, but it's good to see them pull off a win here. And like you said, Donovan, same thing. And I mean, they're just getting screwed at end end of the games, man. It's it's unbelievable. I know the Bulls put themselves in a terrible position at the end and having Kobe White foul, even Donovan had admitted that's not Kobe's fault. I think there was just a little bit of a miscommunication there. And he said he initially wanted him to foul Rubio at that end, end of the play so he wouldn't do exactly what he did, either a nail a three or get you caught on three free throws. Again, it's just it's insane to me, man. How many games have we had this year where it's been decided at the back end and for the most part, it hasn't been the Bulls' fault. Luckily, this one goes the Bulls' way. Yeah, and you know what else I liked? Is that Donovan uh, took responsibility for that in his comments after the game. He said, yeah, that's on me. You know, I was trying to, you know, tell the guys, you know, foul before they get a shot off because the Bulls, you know, were holding on to that three-point lead. But in a way that, you know, he was trying to shout instructions towards Kobe once the Wolves had gotten that ball inbounded and said he just, you know, I think he wasn't clear enough that, yes, I told my team to foul, but I should have, uh, you know, been much more clear in the foul right away as opposed to, you know, don't foul to a point where the refs could even confuse this with a shooting foul, which is what happened. And it was a terrible call. But to me, the bigger point is after the game, Donovan, whether or not it was Kobe's fault, that's irrelevant. Donovan, the coach, saying, that's on me. Because, wow, what a nice change of pace that is compared to last season when our dipshit coach would throw his players under the bus after he put them in a position to lose. I don't know if it if it's if it's going to stay the same all season, the way that the Bulls are defending the perimeter, man. But, again, I got to give them a good a pat on the back and it's confusing to me too why games are getting this close and then you look at how the Bulls are shooting from three and that's probably been the most inconsistent thing about this team since Lowry Markkinen got hurt is they haven't shot the three ball well and I think that's put them in a position of trouble too because as as well as they've defended uh, around the perimeter They've given a decent chunk of points in the paint, too, and they've done a good job to stop there, but they're not combating that. It's it's either Zach hits four or five threes or Kobe has one hot night where he hits three or four. Otherwise, you're you're shooting somewhere between 30 and 40 percent every night. I just 
I worry that the, the perimeter defense isn't going to stay as sharp as it is all season, and you're really going to see some of these games be tilted if the Bulls can't find somebody consistently to do that. And I think Kobe approached it the right way. He talked about it in his post. He said that he, yeah, he went 0 for 6 tonight. His three-point shooting sucks, and he get, went, went back out there and got some shots up after the game. So I do like the dedication from him. He's just in a sl- shooting slump, though, but the Bulls need to find another three-point shooter. I don't know who that's going to be consistently on this team, but if Markkanen's going to be out for a little while. We got Cornette out there, baby. <laughs> yeah, he's only made one three this year, man. It's ridiculous. But I know Garrett Temple has been in spots hitting threes, and maybe this is just the way that the system is going to play. Is Zach and Kobe are going to take 11 to 15 threes a game, and everybody around them is going to take two or three. Maybe that's the way that they're going to approach this till they get Lowry back. But I don't know. Have you been concerned at all about I mean, Bulls three-point shooting? A little bit, but they're you know they're still a team that's been making a, a good amount of them, and they've been shooting it with a pretty solid percentage. Obviously, it it doesn't help that Denzel, who was to his credit knocking down a bunch of threes for a stretch there in early February, has gone ice cold. I mean, Denzel can't hit the broadside of a barn right now, um, which you know uh, there is a part of me that takes pleasure in that. Uh, but like like you mentioned, Garrett Temple started this season hot. He's been a, a pretty cold shooter recently. Um, he only took one three last night, missed it, but he was still only two of six from the field overall. The one person who I would not mind seeing take some more threes is Sadoransky. Sadoransky was two for three last night from downtown, six of seven overall, a solid night for him, 16 points, five boards, four assists, um, and a very efficient 26 minutes off the bench. Sato's shooting damn near 50% from downtown this season. It's not a huge volume of attempts, but he's making them at a, at a near 50% clip. He is a knockdown shooter. Um, and you know, like occasionally Arch will hit one. He was one of one from downtown last night. It was an uncharacteristic night for the Bulls where they only hit 10 threes. Usually they're making more than that. So I'm not too concerned about it. But if there's one person I wouldn't mind seeing take more three-point attempts, it's Sato. And then, of course, the Rook Pete Up, who, you know, especially his catch-and-shoot corner threes, they've been looking like silky, silky smooth recently. They really have. And I, would, I wouldn't I would mind seeing Patrick Williams, uh, you know, see a couple upticks, especially if guys are going to have to go lighter in minutes, whether it be like you give Thaddeus Young a night off or whoever else, like Garrett Temple a night off. Uh, Boost that volume, especially while Lowry's out too, because you're going to need somebody. But they've been actually doing pretty well, man. Like now that I look at it, they've been a little bit more efficient. But there are nights where they just go cold and Zach's the only one hitting threes. And at that point, there's like a, it feels like their offense comes to a halt at that point. But they've fought their way back from from down 15 down 20 and they've been man- managing to hold on to leads too even if if it tries to get decided the other way in the fourth man so to me overall yes good for the bulls they got themselves their second three game winning streak of the year they beat a team that they should beat um but again my, my sentiments are very much in line with what donovan said after the game and that's the next step for a team that's trying to legitimize themselves, get themselves back to relevancy and competition in this league, you have to win against you know equal or inferior opponents, however you can. And if you need overtime, okay, you got the win, good for you. But the Bulls are better than this. They know they can be better than this. And I like the fact that Donovan challenged them after the game saying, okay, yes, we got the win. But we got we got to work on some things, especially the turnovers, man, not to harp on it too much. But Donovan has himself has been harping on those turnovers all season long. The Bulls had been better about it recently, getting that turnover number down. This was their first game since January 15th 
where they hit that 20 turnover mark and they let the Wolves turn it into 23 points. So that kind of stuff can't happen if the Bulls are actually going to go from pretenders to real contenders and keep their spot in the playoffs right now. Yeah, unless you got LeBron James or Kevin Durant on your team, you can't have your backcourt turning the ball over 14 times. And, like, look, I think this is kind of an anomaly this season. So you're right. It was funny. Casey Johnson even brought it up. He's like, I'm sorry I was the the jinx the last time a couple of nights ago uh, against Houston. And it, it happened in similar fashion. Billy Dodd was like, I don't even want to talk about it. But it, it's funny to see him be able to take a joke after a game like that, especially one that came down close. And he even, like you had said, he admitted that, that they shouldn't have let it get that close. But it's funny to see him um, have a little bit of not be as sarcastic as maybe Jim Boylan would be or be able to take a joke. It's nice. Um, let's get to the mailbag. Let's get, I know we had a bunch of mailbag questions over the last couple of days come in, and we want to hit on those voicemails, text messages, anything you got in the last couple of segments we've got here on Locked On Bulls. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Bet Online AG. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online is you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts make sure to use the promo code locked on all right let's uh let's clear up this text and voicemail line matt let's uh let's go to our one newest voicemail that we actually got today uh let's check in with the 312 see what they have to say Hey guys, first and foremost, uh, I love you guys. Uh, go, you guys are just awesome with this podcast. It's like my favorite podcast to listen to. Um, uh, yeah, what's up guys? Um, my name's TJ from Chicago, uh, born and raised. I was actually, fun fact, I was raised, uh, I was raised in the 90s as a Bulls fan, so great time there. Uh, funny enough, my mom actually went to the NBA finals in 1996. When I was actually still, uh, well, when she was actually still pregnant with me. So, if anything, I am extremely affected <laughs> the Bulls culture. Um, but first and foremost, uh, thank you guys. Just uh, if you guys give me the opportunity to be on the show um, with the voicemail. But uh, I just, I'm reading through a lot of the Bulls, uh, Bulls Facebook pages and uh, Instagram and social media groups. And I found a very intriguing trade deal. And I just kind of wanted to get your guys' take on it. So the proposed trade is for Carl Anthony Towns, and the deal would include Laurie Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. and a protected first-round pick. In my perspective, I think it may be just a touch, and I mean an ever-so-slight touch too much for us to give that away in terms of a protected first-round pick. However, I do think getting Carl Anthony Towns to Chicago would be exceptional concerning that there's the argument that, yeah, he might be soft, but he's exceptionally productive. And despite COVID and everything, I'd say he, you know, I'd, I'd say he would be an incredibly good fit uh, in terms of his longevity and just his play style. And I think he would be a great compliment to Zach Levine. Plus, reuniting those two would be, I'd say that would be a pretty fun experiment. But um, that being said, I think that was the trade deal. But uh, but I just want to say thank you again, guys, and go Bulls. We'll see some red, and uh, hey, Congrats again to Zach Levine making that all-star team, man. Now we're the sixth seed, and I see a good fight to the playoffs. All right, guys. Thank you again. All right. Bye-bye. 
Thanks, TJ, for the call. I appreciate you listening all the time. Um, this is something, Matt, that I've been seeing across Bulls Twitter as well uh, a lot over the last couple of days. Dude, somebody else was asking us on Twitter today about a Carl Anthony Towns trade. I know Zach and him are pretty good friends. Like, I realized that from when they were drafted the first couple of years in Minnesota. They're very close. Um, I think Zach even referenced playing Cat all the time. Like, they do live streams together and play video games as well. So they're definitely friends. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't. I could see that as a start. What what TJ brought up is Lowry Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. in a first round pick. I, it's probably going to take you more than that, though. Um, and I don't know. Maybe maybe the the Timberwolves wouldn't even want two bigs back. They would want somebody like Kobe instead. Uh, where is this in the ballpark, though? As far as TJ's hypothetical trade for Carl Anthony Towns and do you think that this is even remotely a conversation they could have over the next year well first of all let me say uh appreciate the love TJ and that uh anecdote about you being in the Bulls 96 finals because you were in utero inside your mom is freaking hilarious and awesome that is truly what it means to be you know a Bulls fan from day one that's awesome man um now, let me proceed to shit all over your trade hypothetical. No, this doesn't get you anywhere close to Carl Anthony Towns. Lowry Markkinen is a injured, impending, restricted free agent right now who has had a significant injury in three of his four NBA seasons, who, it has been widely reported, is looking for somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 million annually on a multi-year deal. Is that something that the Wolves are eager to get right now? Wendell... Yes, still another year on his rookie deal, but then that decision is looming right around the corner. He's shown promise. He, like Lowry, has also sort of developed this injury-prone tag uh, that may or may not be fair, but it's there, as he has missed considerable time in each of his first three NBA seasons. And as quality as he is on the defensive end, the, the offense is still very much so a work in progress. So I don't know how much the Wolves... Uh, w- would love the idea of bringing Wendell into town and then a protected first. So like those three pieces to me, get you nowhere close towns takes a lot of heat and gets, you know, draws a lot of criticism. You, you mentioned the soft label. People say he's not a winner. Obviously there was all the drama with Jimmy and the young guys and Jimmy's, you know, failed experiment in Minnesota. And, and he clearly directed a lot of that at towns, but at the same time, This dude is a perennial 20 to 25 points and 10 rebounds a game player. There are not that many of those in the league. This guy is not only a two-time all-star, he has an all-NBA selection in his early career. Only 25, lots of quality years ahead. So I'm sorry. This is another example to me of a Bulls fan thinking that what we have is more valuable to the rest of the league than what is actually the reality of the situation. Lowry, Wendell, and one first-round pick protected? That gets you nowhere close to Carl Anthony Towns. Nowhere close. He hasn't even gotten the opportunity to really play with D'Angelo Russell either. Like, that's who they just went and traded for a year ago. And I don't, I haven't looked it up, but I don't, I would imagine it's been like a quarter of a season. And yeah, both of them have missed time too. And the Timberwolves seem to be in a weird spot too. 
they're like kind of rebuilding on the fly, but not really. They've got a lot of decent young players, and they just took Anthony Edwards as well. Uh, you would have to start with Carl Anthony Towns saying, yeah, I want out of here. I want to go win somewhere. And that would be the first point in being able to actually shift the conversation around some type of deal like TJ has been giving us. But yeah, I think if you're going to trade for Carl Anthony Towns, you need to up your offers like we were talking about with Beal. And like it needs to be in the ballpark of that. It needs to be in the ballpark, maybe not as crazy as James Harden, but somewhere in the conversation of what you were talking about in terms of value for guys like Bradley Beal. And not only because of Carl Anthony Towns' age, but all the accolades you had just mentioned. And who knows what a fresh start would do for him playing next to uh, an all-star in Zach Levine. So, I don't know. Like, What happens if the Timberwolves said to you, Matt, we want Kobe White, we want Lowry Markkinen, we want Wendell Carter Jr., and we want two first-round picks. What are you saying to that? I would probably do it too. Now, the question is, is that's Minnesota committing long-term? That's them committing long-term to saying, hey, we're going to rebuild for a couple of more years. Maybe D'Angelo Russell, his age and timeline seems to kind of match up with Anthony Edwards and a few of the other guys that they have on their team. This gives them a chance to take a couple more shots in the draft. And it also gives them a ton of cap space, too. This puts Carl Anthony Towns in a spot to be able to win and compete. And, I mean... How long have we been looking for an actual big that can play in the pick and roll and can shoot like Carl Anthony Towns? And look at he had right. he had eleven assists against us last night. So I mean he's he is amazing. He is leaps and bounds better than anything Lowry or Wendell have shown us thus far. That's what you're. That's what uh, that's what I think you're you're talking about if you're going to trade for Carl Anthony Towns. It's unloading all the farm system that you've built up over the last couple of years, all of the players and the potential, and your three best young rookie, your three best young players outside of Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams is off the table, and same I mean, thing with Zach right, Levine. Exactly. In this case. So if you keep P-Dub and you pair Zach and Towns, good friends and two all-stars together and then allow AK and Eversley to work their magic to fill in the other pieces of that roster. I mean, let's, yes, he's, he's in a bit of a shooting slump recently, but let's not forget how important Garrett Temple has been to this team this season. And they got him off the scrap heap for like 5 million bucks. You, totally. you don't have faith that the bulls could put other pieces around Zach and towns. Now that we actually have a competent front office and a coach that people want to play for. You give me Carl Anthony Towns next to Zach Levine, and outside of Patrick Williams, you can have whoever that you can have Lowry, Wendell, and Kobe. Give me Towns. Are you kidding me? Yeah, if we're if we're talking about a trade for Towns, I'm okay with trading Wendell, Lowry, and Kobe, and even first round picks, because then that's that says to me that's a commitment to winning. That's a commitment to Zach too, and it's saying okay, we want you to be here long term. Same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. His contract doesn't expire until the end of the 2023-24 season at 36 million dollars. So you pay him for three more years. This act kind of lines up too with like hey. Hey, Zach, here, here's a test for two more years, and maybe this will work. Maybe we can add a couple of other veteran pieces, like you were saying, around him. It's just it, it's going to be the path that they pick. But, yep, to, their, to the caller's hypothetical, TJ, thanks for bringing it up because it's been a hot topic among Bulls Twitter. But that's, that's where I feel like you start at, Matt. Uh, otherwise, the Timberwolves say, nah, we're good. We're going to have other teams that will offer better than, than just maybe two players in one first-round pick. Yeah. That that's closer though than the other one on Twitter that was proposed to us earlier today. That I believe I'm remembering correctly was like Otto and Lowry and uh two protected firsts and a pick swap. And I was like, 
Otto is useless in this trade other than, you know, magic salaries. The pick swap is useless because if Zach Levine and Carl Anthony Towns are playing together, that Bulls team is definitely going to have a worse, a worse um, draft position than that now suddenly awful Timberwolves team. So, yeah, I mean, Bulls fans, man, they crack me up sometimes with what, with what they think are reasonable trades. Um Jordan, let's uh, let's take some text messages that are fresh in the inbox. But first, though, wanted to tell our listeners about RockAuto.com. Gene stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear the way that airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everyone and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They've got everything, engine control modules and brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpeting. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Um with that, Jordan, let's take a text message from the 309. This is Christian and Charlotte. Here's a fun hypothetical. Uh, Christian says, I'm so pumped to see Zach Levine elevating to new levels before our eyes, and he is ours. If Zach were on the 2011 Bulls, do they win their seventh championship that season? Keep killing it, guys. Thanks, Christian, for checking in. Jordan, I feel like we may have had something kind of like this conversation, but it's been a while. Um, Now knowing who Zach Levine is today, an all-star averaging 29-5-5, on 65 true shooting percentage, if you put him in the place of one Keith Bogans in the 10-11 season, do you think that this version of Zach with Rose and the other pieces of that team beat the Heatles in 2011? Damn, that's tough. I mean, are you taking Zach's style right now of the way he plays and where he's shooting eight to 11 threes? Like, that wasn't really the style. But Like, even 10 years ago, it's crazy to say that, but it wasn't... Right. The style Bulls heat games, you know, some of them were in the hundreds, but a lot of those it was like 82 to 80, right? <laughs> yeah, and everybody was like, What the fuck is LeBron doing taking six or seven threes? That wasn't like LeBron was at his peak at shooting threes, and like everybody was amazed that Chris Bosch could knock down three or four threes on a given night. And it, it really kind of paved the way to where we are right now in the NBA. I mean, if you take this version of Zach Levine, you put him next to an MVP, MVP next to Rose, I mean. Uh, it's game over. Uh, I mean, you have a defensive player of the year in his prime too. In Joe Kim Noah, I get it's three years prior to that, but still, he's in his prime. I mean, it, it's probably game over just because of your ca- where you were catching the heat and at that timing and how good Rose is playing. I mean, I, I don't know. I have no du- no doubt in my mind. That's like taking Kyle Korver and 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 boosting him ten times, right? Yeah, I mean. Kyle Korver was their guy on that team, right? He was the shooter off the bench that they had to score. Like, Zach would be that guy on that team. Right. Um, and, I mean, I I think there's, you know, no denying that Zach gets you a hell of a lot closer. Like, to me, 
you sub in Zach on that team and that series goes seven games. I don't, you know, I don't know who comes out on top. And remember the bulls had the number one seed and home court advantage back when that meant something. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, come on, man, this version of Zach Levine paired with Derek Rose, Joe Keem, Boozer, like, Lou all dang. Imagine Derek off the bench. Imagine Derek like, Rose and, and Zach Levine running a fast break, man. Like both of them oh in their primes. <laughs> like that wouldn't even be fair. And the and the thing is, you think about what happened to that Heatles team. Like, yeah, they were just more talented than the Bulls, and the Bulls were still young and they didn't have the playoff experience that Wade had had and LeBron had had. But then that team choked and didn't figure out how to beat the freaking Mavericks. And no offense to my guy Sabine and his and his Dirk led Mavs for that one glorious title run, but like, come on, like they they beat LeBron with Dirk, JJ Barea, an aging Tyson Chandler, and like you know a few other pieces. If you put Zach next to D Rose MVP and those other Bulls pieces, that team is far and away better than that Dallas Mavericks squad. I'm with you, man. You got no arguments for me, and. Uh... Yeah, that's that's an interesting hypothetical. I would love to run that through like 2K or something. It's like take Zach Levine, put him on that team, and see if you could pair up all of those other teams and see how, what the outcome was. I think I already know what it would be. It would be the, the Bulls would win the championship, but that's more because of yeah. 2K than what would actually happen. But that's an interesting hypothetical, man. Thanks for the thanks for the question. I've got one here, Matt, from the 312. It says, Orlando Magic's Mo Bamba is, avail- is available potentially. If he is, what would you say? What would you say it takes to secure him? Otto Porter, Thaddeus Young, second round picks. I think he'd be a great buy low pickup for the Bulls. What do you guys think? Uh, thanks for the thanks for the text. I don't think this is a bad idea at all. This is buying low on a potentially young big that has had some injury troubles and kind of stopgapped behind an all star in Vucevic. What do you think? And what would you think it would cost to get a guy like that? I don't know. Um, I can't say that I'm very interested. Uh, Like, yes, he's playing behind Vooch, but it's not like Vooch can play 48 minutes a night and Mobamba's theoretically healthy and the dude can't get any minutes. Like, he, you know, I think when the Bulls and and Orlando played that back-to-back or, you know, like two games in a row back in late January or early Feb, whatever that was, like, dude barely got on the floor. I know that he was a high lottery pick a couple of years ago. He went a pick before Wendell, but man, you know, I guess maybe some of the people who had their doubts about Mo Bama's game translating to the NBA were not all that crazy because right now he looks like a project and not a fun one. That's the thing. I'm thinking about like if Zach Levine walks in free agency or just decides that this isn't the place or the Bulls don't want to pay him. Whatever the case may be, if they are deciding that this is year one, this move seems a lot more viable, right? You would have two or three years to be able to develop and see what Mo Bamba is. But if you're trying to take steps forward, and and even if it's baby steps over the next year or two, towards actually competing and winning, uh, trying to work on a project like Mo Bamba doesn't make any sense when you have no idea what your front court looks like, right? Yeah, and I get that Bulls fans are looking for a lot of different solutions to the front court issue it's a good idea good buy low sell high but i just it's it costs you too much to be what it's worth for the bulls yeah you know i i wouldn't want to give up any assets to get bomba because i i don't i don't want him that badly um but you know a a a worthwhile hypothetical because he is you know a, a young front court player who might need to change the scenery and the bulls have some front court things to figure out 
Um, Jordan, this one's interesting to me. Uh, the 815 asks, uh, oh, I wonder if this is the TJ uh, who also left the voicemail. Um, what do you think the floor for Patrick Williams is? I believe his ceiling is something like Kawhi, but what about his floor being Jeff Green? I really like P-Will. Super excited to see where his career will lead. Thanks and go Bulls. Jordan, I've got a quick answer here, and then I'll let you chime in. To me, the answer to the question of what is P-Dub's floor, it's this version of 19-year-old rookie P-Dub, which is already a pretty darn good floor. Uh, you know, I com- comparing him to players of what's the worst version of this player going to be compared to like, oh, what could the ceiling be? I think the ceiling question is more interesting. The, the floor with Patrick Williams is he's a 19-year-old rookie and he's starting and he usually looks like he belongs. That's the floor already. That's a great point, man. And like, not even to put it against somebody who's actually played in the NBA before and like making a comparison. Our texter says, like, what happens if his floor is Jeff Green? I'm thinking of it more to, in terms of like how he fits with his Bulls. Like, what would his role be long term as in terms of a floor? Is it coming off the bench for 20 to 22 minutes a night and being your wing stopper on defense and a guy that could put up 10 to 15 points a night? Like, you're talking about rookie Patrick Williams in a way, more experienced, but can be that guy consistently for you. I mean, that's not a bad floor considering every, the way everybody talked about this year's draft and. Uh, I don't see him hitting that floor unless there's an injury or something. I mean, the dude's got so much potential. He showed us so much in year one, man. I just don't see him having a floor even as low as Jeff Green like we're talking about. Um, But yeah, I I think that's a good point, man. Like this is his floor is is rookie season Uh, and he's been damn impressive in it. Truly has, you know, if uh, I know that P-Dub is going to continue to get better and better and better. You already see improvements week to week, game to game as a 19-year-old rookie. Um, But if he were to not get much better than who he is now, obviously that would be a disappointment. But even still, that's saying he's a a player who's capable of starting on a team that right now is looking like a 500 basketball team. No doubt, man. No doubt. Uh, 570... Uh, sent us a link to an episode of the Ringer NBA University podcast. Jordan, are you familiar with this uh, Ringer pod? I just recently found it, um, and it popped up, and I noticed that their most recent episode, it, it's uh, you know, it's Kevin O'Connor and a couple other people at the Ringer, and they talk about younger players in the NBA um, and sort of like what their trajectory is looking like, and they spent a good portion of their most recent episode talking about Zach Levine, um, and also had Bulls Kenny on uh, as a guest, and they had a conversation about Levine's progression. Uh, so the 570 texted and said, yo, they're talking about us uh, in the ringer. This is just one example, and that's why I brought up that text, of just how much it will do for the Bulls to have Zach Levine as an all-star. You know, you could talk about, hey, let's go do some tampering down in Atlanta. Let's let Zach talk to some fellow all-stars about their future career plans. But you see national NBA people talking about Zach Levine, Zach Levine getting talked about NBA on TNT pregame and halftime and postgame getting talked about in national NBA podcasts, finally getting that relevance. That matters, doesn't it? It really does, man. And I was thinking about the schedule that got released to the second half of the NBA schedule. The Bulls have two nationally televised games in the last two weeks of the season. It's against yeah, New York Knicks and home against the Celtics, right? 
I mean, those are two big games, man, especially if you think about the Bulls still hanging between 5 and 10 in terms of the Eastern Conference. Those are two massive games. And, I mean, we had our first nationally televised game in a year and a half just last week. I mean, this is this is huge, and I think the NBA is starting to start starting to slowly turn their heads and take a look and pay attention to the Bulls. And if they keep winning, it's only going to increase from that. And this is this is exactly what Zach Levine wanted, and he actually deserves this, man. He deserves to have a team that's playing well around him. He's playing well every single night, and they're actually getting some attention for once. It's about time, man. It feels so good, doesn't it, uh, Jordan? Uh, real quick. I just got this tweet come across my desk while we're recording here. We mentioned it at the top when we were breaking down Bulls, Timberwolves. The last two-minute report from the NBA said the call on Kobe White's foul on Ricky Rubio was correctly a shooting foul. Wow. 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 Report also said that Carl Anthony Towns foul on Levine with 12.3 seconds left in regulation was wrong. And that's the foul that Carl Anthony Towns fouled out on. So they insist that Carl Anthony Towns was wrongly fouled out and that they correctly called Rubio in the act of shooting. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words. I really am. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the Towns foul is up for debate, like whatever. And obviously him fouling out had a huge impact on the Bulls being able to close that game. But what what is the point of the last two minute report if they're gonna double down on that absolute steaming pile of dog shit? I'm saying it, man. I mean, go. I should tweet out the article, but there's an article from when they, uh, when one of the head officials, it was like about three years ago, said that they don't like the last two minute reports because of the criticism that they get at the end of the games and having them out there does them a disservice and all of this and they wanted to get rid of it. Well, they didn't end up getting rid of it. Remember when they started the Twitter account where they were tweeting out clips and they were just getting absolutely shit on by NBA yeah. fan bases? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I'm not surprised, even if they they make it wrong, like especially in a game that could decide an outcome. I mean, it, it, they're going to stay with what was going on on the floor just to avoid criticism. I understand that, even if we think it's wrong. Uh, I get it. It's just, I mean, I guess I'm just going to stop checking the last two minute report and and use my own analysis because that was clearly not a shooting foul yesterday. No. In, in what world was that a shooting foul? So Kobe White even said after the game, yeah, I heard one of the refs say, that's a foul on the floor, not a shooting foul. And then the other ref came in and said, no, no, that's a shooting foul. It's unbelievable, man. Unfreaking believable. I'm just glad we got the win because then I don't have to get as angry. It's because fate has a weird way of working itself out. And so that that one was where the Bulls ended up with a win. So I will take it. Even if it was a shitty overtime win, I will take it. Any way we can get it. They're on a winning streak here, and that's all we can ask for. Um... I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thanks again for all of your texts, your voicemails. Continue to send it to us, 331-979-1369. Your texts, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. We're on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. 
they get to give Rubio three free throws? What? I don't really want to talk about it, okay? But Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Thanks a lot.